welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm super excited to be talking to you today, not because of anything in particular that I'm going to talk about, but because I am going to Minnesota and I'm going to be seeing my family and going to the Minnesota State Fair. And I'm so excited. I can hardly handle my life and I can hardly handle just getting through the rest of all the little things I have to do before I'm on an airplane and I'm heading there. I If you are not familiar with the Minnesota State Fair, let me just tell you about it. So the Minnesota State Fair is 12 days leading up to Labor Day in Minnesota. It's the largest fair in the country. It's technically the second largest because Texas Fair runs longer, but that's the only reason it's considered um, bigger. The Minnesota State Fair is, it's it's beautiful. It's run by the Minnesota State Fair Foundation. And so the fairgrounds are private and they're owned by the foundation. They are, they're taken care of beautifully. They are just full of manicured grass and beautiful trees that are, you know, native to Minnesota. And um, basically 2 million people or 2 million, 2 million tickets, I guess lots of people go more than once, go to the fair and uh, and it's it's usually really hot. It's the last kind of weekend of summer in Minnesota, and it's just everybody from all over comes. So Minnesota has a lot of of landmass. It's a big state, but most of the population lives in the Twin Cities. But it's a ta- it's a time when people from all around the state come on into the city and visit the state fair, and they have just so many interesting things there. So they have one of the coolest things is they have Princess K of the Milky Way, which is a selection process. Um, Women, girls, teenagers um, compete in this contest that uh, to promote dairy. So the dairy industry in Minnesota is really big. So you have to be either like raised on a dairy farm or something like that. And it's like a royalty contest. And the winner is Princess K of the Milky Way. And they represent the dairy industry all over the state of Minnesota. And um, they get to ride in the parade at the fair. And then they get to have their head carved out of a 90-pound block of butter in this mirror or this glass enclosed refrigerator case in the state fair in the dairy building. So you go to the fair, you go to the dairy building, go back to the back, and there's this round glass refrigerator. In the middle is a 90 pound block of butter. And there's this woman who is carving uh, the sculpture of one of the dairy princesses. So every day a different princess is carved and the princess K is carved, I think on the last day or the first day, but it's really cool. I mean, come on, that's like ridiculous, but it's super cool. Um, it's uh, the, the food on the stick all kinds of food on the stip, stick, deep fried food, just crazy weird food. There's two sky rides. There's a big um, midway, huge livestock competitions. There's always like the, the largest hog in the state, the largest um, pumpkin in the state, just ridiculous. Uh, big fat bacon on a stick. Um, the biggest thing people talk about is Sweet Martha's Cookies, which is basically a chocolate chip cookie stand that was so popular. Now there's four of them in this fairgrounds and they bake 
chocolate chip cookies from sunup till sundown at the fair. So you smell chocolate chip cookies and you can buy them and eat them with milk. I personally don't do it because I don't know. I, I make better chocolate chip cookies than that. And if I'm at the fair, I want to eat something I normally don't get. But the smell of them are really good. And what people do is they buy these big buckets of them. It's like 20 bucks for a giant bucket. They pile them. They don't just fill the bucket. They pile them, pile them super, super tall on top. And then you eat them all till you can close the bucket. So around the Sweet Martha's cookie barns, there's just all kinds of chocolate chip cookies ground into the ground and people standing around eating cookies, dipping them in milk. There's also the all-you-can-drink milk stand, which is smartly, strategically not near the cookie booth. But you can go there if you can get all the way over there without your cookies falling. Two bucks, all-you-can-drink milk, cookies and milk. Um, Cheese curds. Cheese curds are super popular. A lot of people who have not been in the Midwest don't know what they are. But basically, they're a cheese curd, a piece of fresh cheese, battered and then deep fried. And they're just, they're insane. They're so good. Um... There's scotch eggs, which is a hard-boiled egg wrapped in sausage, deep-fried. Big fat bacon, which is bacon on a stick. Then there's like 22 different new foods each year. This year, the one that I'm interested in trying is a corn dog. So it's a hot dog dipped in corn dog batter. And then before it's deep-fried, it's rolled in chopped-up tater tots. And then it's deep-fried. So there's all kinds of interesting foods like that every year that are added to the state fair's food. So... Um, it's just fun. And I used to go a lot. I, the most I've gone in one year was nine days out of 12 used to be obsessed with the fair and people would say, well, what do you do at the fair? Well, typically I just go with lots of people and there are certain things I do at the fair depending on who I'm with. So if I go with my mom, we go into the creative activities building and we look at the jams and the quilts and the, um, artsy fartsy things and the sewing projects and the scrapbook pages that one and, um, the baked goods and we, we get mini donuts and we go to the agriculture horticulture building and look at the flower displays every other day. They have a different flower display. So one day it'll be dahlias. One day it'll be violets. One day it will be bonsai trees. We go to the AM radio station booth and my mom likes to listen to AM radio in the morning and we see Mike Lynch, the weatherman who's been the weatherman forever in Minnesota. Um, And if I go with my sister, we like to get all the free stuff. So we get a free bag and we fill it with free bumper stickers and pencils. We get the um, pig ears from the giant um, giant hog display and wear our pig ears around the fair. Um, Go into the moo booth and get cow tattoos. Uh, We ride the sky ride. If I go with my niece, we go to the giant sing-along, which is a field full of microphones planted in the ground and a big giant um, karaoke billboard. And it's all songs you've heard of and they're playing constantly all day long. You can run up there and sing karaoke with everybody at the fair. It's a joyful, awesome place. It's one of my favorites. If we go with my dad, go to the band shell and see some cheesy country music or like this year, Monday night, we're going to see the Beach Boys in the grandstand, which is gonna be super fun. Um, Crop art is another cool thing at the fair. So people compete, beautiful artists, um, using crops. So little kernels of corn, buckwheat, um, hay, um, peas, corn. I think I said corn, wheat, alfalfa. They take them and they make these amazing mosaics that look like the most beautiful pieces of art ever. And they're on display in the agriculture crop art wing. 
But if you go before one o'clock, there's a little table set up with this lady who's there every year and little pieces of paper and some Elmer's glue and a whole bunch of little crop seeds and you can make your own crop art. So I always make crop art at the fair. You can also go to the International Bazaar area and they have imported goods um, from around the world and then food from around the world. So you can get um, curry, you can get really amazing um, lo mein noodles, awesome egg rolls, um, just really cool eclectic food from around the world. There's the Holy Land Deli when they have falafel and you can get um, the olives from around the world, hot sauces from around the world. So you can tell it's a lot about food. There's a beer garden and a wine garden. There's Lulu's where you can get um, macaroni and cheese on a stick. <laughs> um, I could just go on and on clearly. So it's huge. It's wonderful. And I love it so much. So I did go to the fair um, one year when I was doing 75 hard and I couldn't eat anything except just protein. But I was able to get a pork chop on a stick and teriyaki chicken on a stick and um, it was fun, but that was the year I kind of stopped going as much because it's not as much fun if you don't get to eat all the garbage. Then COVID happened and the fair closed and then I moved away. So this is my first year at the fair since 2019. And I'm going back to Minnesota specifically to be able to go to the fair a whole bunch. Super, super excited. So if you're in Minnesota and you're gonna be at the fair, please hit me up. I would love to see you at the fair. I love to just bop around and run into people that I know. Um, it's just a nice little happy meet and greet for Minnesota. So after that, I'm going to Chicago on the way home and I'm doing a speaking engagement there, uh, doing a lunch and learn. So I'm super excited about telling my story and uh, starting to reach people with my message, which is if I can do these things that I've done, what can you do? There is no can't. So that's what I'm doing. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm super, super stoked to get out of the humidity one last time, go to Minnesota, enjoy some summer weather. And then, you know, next time I go to Minnesota, it'll be colder than cold and I'll be like, hi, bye, quick in and out. So excited about that. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot new going on in Miami except just settling into my new role um, at the Carillon Spa. So I used to work there. I went back. Now I'm a personal trainer for some of the people there and also a sub and then getting some new classes. I'm doing a class there called Self-Care Sunday, which I love. It's just a sit-down class. Um, going over the week, your wins, some self-love, some gratitude, some connecting with the goals, some setting of goals, mantras, power statements, and just discussion about me. Each person sitting there gets to think about me, gets to reflect on me. It's all about spending time with yourself. And I'm super excited to get to bring that to this beautiful wellness spa. So settling into that, the new F45 location is opening up later in September and I'm going to be loving my opportunity to be a trainer there. I've talked about it before, how my dream to be a trainer in Minnesota was snuffed out because somebody had it in for me or something. I don't know. But... Redemption. I get to help open a location here on South Beach. Super cool. And uh, now I'm a very experienced trainer and they're really happy to have me. So I think that the experience is going to be a win, win, win. So um, that's really all that's going on here. It's been six weeks since my bodybuilding show. I spent six weeks eating, um, trying to get back to normal, trying to pay attention to how I feel in my body. It's been a pendulum as usual, but a little, little less extreme. 
And I decided I wasn't going to weigh myself or worry about any of that for a while. And I finally decided stupidly, all right, I'm going to get on the scale and just see where we're at because I just was so curious. I kept talking about never doing it till the end of the year. And then as soon as I started talking about it, that's all I could think about. So my stage weight was like, I think 152-ish. I can never remember. But I went to step on the scale and I was like, all right, based on how I feel and how I look, I'm pretty sure I'm up, like up to 170. Pretty sure I gained you know, a chunk of weight back. So got on the scale, 160.3 or 0.5. I was totally shocked to see that I just basically, that's what I was about a week before my show, before I dehydrated and did my final cut. So it was kind of a relief to say, all right, I guess I can trust myself. I know when I'm hitting that spot where I feel like, all right, this is a weight that I'm comfortable holding onto and I don't want to get any bigger than this, but I'm comfortable. And it was a lower number than I thought. So um, I kind of wish I hadn't weighed because now this is the reason I don't weigh sometimes. If it's a good number, I'm like, woohoo, I don't have to work so hard. I can just binge. And if it's a bad number, it's like anybody else, like, ugh, everything I do doesn't work. I may as well binge. So no matter what the scale says, often it just makes me want to binge. So I didn't binge, but I certainly lost um, some of my my willpower to say, you know, these are my firm limits. I started to feel like, oh, well, I don't need to have firm limits because I have only gained a little bit of weight. But the reason that my weight didn't skyrocket is because I've had limits. So um, I've since calmed down. I don't know when I'm going to weigh myself, but um, I'm pleased that I didn't go nuts. The last couple of times I've done shows, I've gained a lot of weight um, and obsessed about it and just done a lot of damage to my satisfaction with how I feel in my skin. So this was still a pendulum. It's definitely not been pretty or perfect, but I'm pleased. And I feel like now I'm at a good coasting place. I, I'm eating, I'm eating well, I'm eating things I like. I've added some variety back in. Um, I'm lifting regularly. I'm doing the cardio that I like to do instead of, you know, just stair mill. And, um, yeah, I'm back to more of a sustainable, maintainable way of eating and moving. Um, there'll still be some of those little trips and some of those moments where I have to re shift my focus, but as my friend Amanda just said, as many day ones as it takes, we get to have them. We can have as many day ones as we need until we die. So as long as I'm always willing to have a day one, I'm I'm going to always reach my goals. I'm always, always going to stay within striking distance or right on top of what I want to be. And so that's a good reminder. Day one, any day, every day, and onward. Operation Honey Bun. I'm so excited about my new venture. I love a new project. In fact, I have so many projects going on. Um, I shouldn't be starting new ones all the time, but this has been one that I've been waiting to get started and I finally got it launched a couple of months ago. And um, Operation Honey Bun is my new baby. <laughs> I just launched it. It's actually still in the process of being formed, um, working on getting 501c3 status. Um, but it's a nonprofit that I'm really passionate about and starting here locally, but I have big, big visions and dreams of it becoming a large scale a nonprofit. So the story behind Operation Honey Bun. So when I started a boot camp location here on Miami Beach down at 21st Street, which is closer to South Beach, um, I'd roll up down there with my car with all my boot camp gear and um, start to unload. 
And there was always people there that were just waking up that had been sleeping there by the beach, experiencing homelessness or um, just hanging out there without a place to go. They'd be rolling up their sleeping bag and packing up their their things. Sometimes there'd be arguments. Uh, some of them would be maybe digging through the trash looking for some food, taking a shower, cleaning up in the bathroom, whatever it was, I would come up um, to the beach about the time they were all kind of getting started for the day. And I'd say good morning, and they'd always say good morning. A lot of them would offer to carry my things, crack some jokes about how they needed to work out, and they just became a really big bright spot in my morning. And I would try to stop and talk to them and just say hi. And I noticed that there were some women. Um, you know, it's interesting because you'd see um, the guys tend to wear the same things a lot if they're experiencing homelessness. You see them kind of wearing the same outfit every day. But the women, they'd be in different dresses and skirts and in various shape and, you know, dirty or whatnot, but just always interesting and trying to kind of clean up. And I just, it kind of struck me that these people are just doing their best, living, living life. And especially with the women, they cared about, you know, trying to look nice even though they weren't in an ideal situation and what I realized is a lot of them just were surprised if I would slow down to talk to them and other people coming through the park there would look at them with disdain um and just kind of look at them stare at them look at them not nicely and I started to think how terrible it must be to walk around in life where everybody looks at you sideways where you're not welcome places or if someone wants to help you people would you know with, with the best of intentions, bring out you know, a to-go box of leftovers from, from a restaurant to share. Like, here, I, I don't want this food. I'll give it to a homeless person. Well, that's a kind gesture. But have you thought about what it's like to be the person on the other side where, you know, you obviously you appreciate anything that you get, but you're just getting someone's chewed up, <laughs> cut up, whatever, food dumped off on you. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I just started to think, you know, these are just people and they're just like me. And they happen to be experiencing homelessness. I don't know their story. Could some of them do better? Maybe. Could some of them do better? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. I can't fix their problems. I can't get them a house. I can't get them out of here. A lot of them have situations I'll never understand. But you know what I can do? I can slow down. I can say good morning. I can honestly care about what they say. I can listen, even if sometimes the things they say don't make sense. Maybe if sometimes the things that they say are not exactly what I expected to hear, I can listen. Because what I saw is these people just valued being looked at and smiled at and heard. And I just became really excited every day to see them. And so I started to think about how I could make their life a little better. And I started to pick up some, you know, some bags of snacks and hand them out. I had extra protein bars this last fall. I'd bring them protein bars. Like here, this is, you know, good for you. But then my friend Melissa pointed out that some of these people can't really chew a chewy protein bar. Some people have some dental issues. So she suggested that honey buns are something that people really, really like. Well, I'd never even had a honey bun, but a honey bun is like a little Debbie type, um, like little cinnamon roll type thing. You can get them in vending machines and they have them at gas stations, but it's like a little mini cinnamon roll and they're inexpensive, but they're apparently a popular snack. So I started picking up a few of those, bringing those down to the beach. Hey, do you want a honey bun? And the response was always, wow, wow, thank you. I'm very surprised. 
So as the year came to a close, I decided to do um, a project at Christmas time, which would be to collect some money from my friends, ask the boot campers to donate some money, and I would use that to pick up things to hand out on Christmas. So socks, hygiene kits like toothpaste and mouthwash and soap, um, and then some little stockings, got some little stockings and put candy in there, made some for the girls with some nail polish and some eyeshadow and some chapstick. Cause you know, I started to see these women are women just like me. They care about these girly things. And while, you know, necessities are really important, sometimes you, you don't want something ne necessary. You want something frivolous and sweet and fun. So at Christmas time, a bunch of us got together and we spent Christmas day walking around, handing out muffins and honey buns, hygiene kits, and these little stockings with treats in them. And it was so much fun and it really lit me up and I just decided that was something that I was gonna keep doing, even if it was just me. And so started to keep a supply of honey buns and hygiene kits in my car and I would go walk around there between clients down on South Beach or before or after boot camp. And, um, and then I stopped doing boot camp down at 21st Street. So I started walking around the park near where I live and just handing out hygiene kits and honey buns and having conversations and hugging people. And I started to bring um, a package of $5 bills. So if I talk to somebody um, and say, hey, is there anything here in my bag that you need? If there was nothing they needed, I would hand them a $5 bill and say, okay, well, maybe you can find something that you need. Um, and it just really lit me up. And these people just became my friends. And I started to look at them as, as, as me. These are, these are just human beings. And I'm not doing something nice. I'm not doing something amazing. I'm being a human being to other human beings. I see them. They want to be heard. I can hear them. I can't solve their problems, but I can love on them with a honey bun. And so by telling other people about this and posting it on my social media, other people have often sent me money and said, here, here's some money. Next time you go buy honey buns, I'd love to, to be a part of that. And so I bought extra honey buns and the hygiene kit items I get on Amazon, they're really inexpensive when you buy a big box that has 50 soaps, 50 shampoos, 50 conditioners, 50 body wash, 50 mouthwash, and then I can put them together into one kit throw some chocolates in there, um, put a $5 bill in the bag, socks are really popular, and then of course, honey buns. So um, I decided, you know what, I wanna start a nonprofit. I wanna make it so that other people can contribute because some people don't have the opportunity to walk around the beach and help people and love on them. I do, and so maybe other people would like to just participate via $5. $5 gets a hygiene kit and a pair of socks or a hygiene kit, a honey bun, and some chapstick. Um, and also now that it's hot, Gatorade. Um, other times I've gone down on a cold rainy morning in the winter time with um, a box of uh, donuts from Dunkin' Donuts and a big hot thing of cup of joe, a big thing of, of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts and just set it up and had coffee with everyone. I don't just drop it off. I stay, I talk to them, ask them questions, um, just have fun, just be their friend. Um, it's been really, really gratifying. So Operation Honey Bun is up and running. We have a logo and I'm working on the concept of setting up uh, a, on my website. So if people in other parts of the country want to do an Operation Honey Bun handout, they can order a bag with our logo and hats with our logo for them and their friends to wear and to fill with honey buns and hygiene kit items, which I also can provide the information on the best place, the best prices to order honey buns and hygiene kit items. So that's on the agenda. But um, ultimately the whole process is about getting outside of myself, outside of my world, 
putting it all down, not thinking about it, and just loving on people, bringing them a honey bun. Honey bun says I love you. There's something about them. People love. It's really hard to get a no. Do you want a honey bun? I rarely hear no. So if you'd like to be involved in Operation Honey Bun, operationhoneybun.com is our website, and we have a Venmo to collect donations and also under Operation Honey Bun. And uh, we will be a 501c3 in the next couple of months, which will make your donation tax deductible. For now, it's not tax deductible, but you can still donate, and it's going to go to love on people, by people, by you. So consider contributing. And if you don't want to contribute, that's totally fine. But I encourage you to think about your community. Is there a way that you can show love to people just to love on them? There are big organizations that do big things that help people get off the streets, um, get into homes, things like that. They do a really good job. They don't need me to start a whole other thing and I can't. But I can simply meet them where they are and love on them. And you can do that too in whatever capacity um, lights up your soul. So get involved. If you want to get involved with Operation Honey Bun, I would love to have you involved. But regardless, just get involved in the art and the love of a human loving on humans. When I talk to a new client, I ask, what are your goals? I want to know what do you want? What is it that you want? Why are you sitting at this table? Most of the time we have a thought of, oh, I should hire a coach or, oh, I should start a program. And those thoughts come in and out. We don't do anything until we get to a certain point when all of a sudden it's too much. And we make that phone call, we set up that appointment, or we pick up that book and find out what that diet is because we've come to a point where we decide, I want something and now I'm willing to do something. So I say, okay, why are you here? Tell me what your goals are. And the answers vary, but typically what I work with are clients who say, I want to lose weight. I'm sick of this. I I just, I'm sick of this. I want to lose weight. I'm tired of of wishing that I had started. I'm tired of the yo-yo. I do really well on the weekdays and on the weekend. I just, I lose it. I fall off track. I just, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this is the number one thing that I hear. And then I want to lose weight and I just want to figure this out. It's number two. So The problem is most of us have tried a diet. Most of us have already attempted weight loss a few times, if not dozens of times. And we find ourselves in the same spot over and over again. The number one reason this happens is because we get in a hurry. We say, all right, I want to lose 20 pounds by, hmm, what's the fastest I can do that? Two pounds a week. Okay, I want to lose 20 pounds in two months. And and then we go just crazy we cut our diet, we cut our, our calories, we exercise like crazy people, and after three, four weeks, we lost a bunch of weight, but we're exhausted, we're hungry, and we're sick of it. And often we fall off the diet wagon, and we go back to eating how we used to, except this time, we've been starving ourselves, so we overeat, and then we sometimes put back on more weight than we lost. So that cycle happens over and over and over and over again, and what is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So we have to look at this weight loss thing differently. We have to look at this whole, I just want to figure it out differently. Slow and steady is what wins the race. Whenever we try to get somewhere quickly, we're at bigger risk for crashing. We're at bigger risk for never getting there because we burn out. So what do you want? And now we have to set a very realistic time frame to do so. And I actually recommend not setting a time frame. I recommend saying, you know what? I'm going to address my behaviors 
and I am going to change the habits. Whether it results in weight loss right away or not, I'm going to work on the habit because a little bit of momentum, a little bit of progress in my default, switching from right here to a little closer to ideal is better than nothing. Because what happens if I do nothing? If I don't chase these goals, if I don't make changes, what happens? What is the course that I am on? Most of the time, we don't sit and maintain our weight when we're not active in the process of losing weight or watching our health. Most of the time, it's a slow trajectory up the scale. We're getting less healthy. We're getting less fit. We're doing less activity. We're eating a few more bites. We're gaining a little weight. So if we do nothing, it's not that we stay where we are. Most of the time, our situation declines. So what happens if instead of thinking, let's hurry up and get this figured out, What if we just did a little something differently every day? A little something. You think, well, it's not measurable, therefore it's not motivating. Well, we don't need to measure it. It doesn't need to be measurable in order to say, I have success. So decide something you wanna change and mark your success based on your coherence to the rule or your adherence to the new habit. If you say, I'm going to start walking for 20 minutes every day, You may not see a big change in your health or the scale for a long time. So what you can track is how many days did you do that 20 minute walk? If last month you didn't walk for 20 minutes a day at all, and this month you walked 20 times for 20 minutes a day, that is a huge shift from last month. Now you may not lose 10 pounds doing that. You may not lose a pound doing that right away. But what you've done is you can clearly see you have stuck to a new habit you have added movement into your life, it has to pay off. It is inevitable that those things will pay off. And what you've done is you've moved a little bit in your progress from where you were to where you wanna be. So if we keep doing those things, doing them little by little in small ways to where we don't feel like we're suffering and we can't wait till this is over, but we're truly finding things that we can do forever, we will get very gradual movement. Gradual movement can often mean losing two-tenths of a pound or a quarter of a pound in a week. That's basically a calorie deficit of about 750 calories in a week, if 3,500 calories are um, represent one pound. So 750 calories a week, that's basically a reduction in food intake or an additional activity that is equal to about 100 to 120 calories a day. So can you cut 120 calories a day? Because if you can cut 120 calories a day for a week, you could lose this much fat off your body in one week. This is a quarter pound. This is a stick of butter. Just think if you did that for a month, if you were able to have that caloric deficit every day or to move your body every day for a month, just a little bit, you could lose four sticks of butter. That's one pound of fat off your body. Now, other people may not notice. It doesn't weigh a whole lot in my hand, but I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a lot if it was hanging off my arm. (laughs) This is kind of a lot if it's on my midsection or under my chin. It counts just because you can't see it melting off your body. Now, if I put this in a bowl and melted it and poured it all over my body evenly, you wouldn't see a whole lot of additional fat covering my body. But when we pull it off into these nice little sticks, we get a pile of fat and it's measurable and it's visible and it's off of your body. 
This represents 3,500 calories of movement or calorie reduction from your diet in a month. That's not a big change. You aren't going to be suffering to be doing that. And if you did this for a whole year, you lose 12 pounds in a year. 12, that would be a pile of fat about this big. Now, if I said, I have a diet plan for you to lose 12 pounds in a year, you'd be like, ugh, I'm not paying for that. That's not worth it. That's not enough and that's not fast enough. But 12 pounds, that's a size. Would you like to be down a size for the rest of your life so that the size that you're in, you never have to buy ever again? You're always one size smaller? Why not? Why not? It's very, very exciting to think about pulling one stick of butter off your body at a time and having it add up. Now, if you were to do a little bit more effort, say if you tried to have a 500 calorie deficit a day, that would add up really quick to a pound a week. One of these every week, that would be 52 pounds in a year. We always think, oh, I wanna lose 25 pounds in two months. Well, what if you gave yourself a whole year to lose 25 pounds? That would be only a 250 calorie deficit a day. So start doing some math. See where you can pull out those calories from your diet. Can you just have one less coffee with cream in it? Can you reduce salad dressing? Can you take alcohol out of your diet more often than you have it now? Can you remove butter from some of your meals? Can you remove something that you don't really care about from your diet? On pizza night, can you have one piece less? You can find places to pull that out. And if you don't wanna pull a lot out of your diet, think about exercise. Do you have time to go for two runs in a week? Or maybe you go to three really intense workout classes. Or maybe you say every single day, I'm gonna do a brisk 60 minute walk. Those all add up. And if you're consistent and don't reverse it with a big fall off the side of the mountain into a vat of buttered popcorn and chicken wings and cheeseburgers and cake, you're gonna continue to see that progress. When we have those big binges and those big falls, it's usually because we are pulling that pendulum so far. We are cutting all the pleasure out of our diet. We're cutting all of the slack from our workouts and we're working hard and we're just white knuckling it. And then we just think, oh, I can't do this anymore. And we just blow it. So what we wanna do is have changes that are sustainable, that don't make us suffer, that don't make us feel like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait until I can go and eat everything in sight. That's what we wanna avoid. We wanna do small changes that don't feel super noticeable and be accepting of small changes on the scale and in our body as well. Time passes anyway. And if you do nothing, you're going to go backwards. So you may as well do just a little something and accept a slower rate of loss, a slower rate of change, but make it permanent because the habits you're changing, the activity you're adding, the things you're pulling out are not ruining your ability to enjoy your food. We're not adding so much stress to your life that you can't keep it up. So think about how many sticks of butter you want to lose in a week. Think about what you're willing to do. Think about what it would look like if all of these were strapped to your body. And at the end of the year, you could pull off 52 sticks of butter, 104 sticks of butter. It's a lot of butter. I've lost 250 pounds. Do you know how many sticks of butter that is? A thousand. I've lost a thousand sticks of butter. Now it's taken me 15 years, but... Time passed anyway, and I'm so glad that those sticks of butter came off my body. So slow and steady wins the race. If you really, really want to reach your goals, be content with doing it one stick of butter at a time. 
Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.